Okay. All right. Well, thank you for being here, Catherine Laroe. I said Laroe. You can edit that out. <laughs> That's such an asshole. All right. No, no, no. no. It, it, it's my life. That's exactly how it is. I changed my name so it'd be easier and sexier for people to say, but no one ever says it correct the same way twice. It's, you know, to make me feel cool. <laughs> no, I'm just, just kidding. But uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm, su- I'm really happy that you're here uh, and you're thanks. doing this with me on my thanks. podcast. This is my first interview. So this is fun. I'm honored to be here. Um, for everybody out there, I'm Catherine Laroe. I am an actor, comedian, and a voiceover actor, and I do pretty much anything for money, I guess. <laughs> um, is my main dig. Uh, I met Sonny uh, in the stand-up comedy community. Uh, you're just fierce as hell. I've always loved everything that you Thank talk you. about and every aspect of you. So I listened to your podcast, and I found it controversial oh, wow. and insightful. <laughs> um, so I'm excited to be here. This is going to be a good talk today. Yeah. Well, with the podcast, I just want to, to be really honest, I want to talk about feminist issues that can be controversial as well. So, you know, and just women's stuff. But uh, I think you're an amazing comedian and you've been in the comedy scene for a very long time and you live in Stockholm. So that's the big, <laughs> that's the main city in Sweden. And I live in Gothenburg, the second largest city. city. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've always loved your style and everything. So I'm super happy. And I don't know. I just thought we would just go on like some just rants that we had at the, that we talked about at the Lund Comedy Festival. If you want to talk about that, what we were doing last week, which was very fun as well. Uh, Sunny and I entered, uh, Lund Comedy Festival's five minute competition, which is called the Comedy Grand Slam. So, 42 comedians entered. Actually, I think more people entered than that. You actually had to have some experience to be in the contest. So maybe oh, more really? people even entered. Yes. And then you make okay. the top 42. Those are the quarterfinals. Make okay. it past that. Then you go to semifinals and then you get to the finals, which is the Grand Slam. And Sunny and I were both in the Grand Slam. We were in yeah. the finals. We were in the we finals. We were in the finals. And, uh, Okay, so Sunny said, I've been in the comedy industry for a long time. It's eight years, uh, almost nine years. And Sunny, you've been at this three years, right? Yeah. Four. No, three. No, three. It's been three, yeah. And you won. You won the whole fucking thing. Sorry. I, but for everybody out there, I'm, I'm so overly excited because women almost never win this competition. Yeah. Uh, I didn't do my research on this. I'm not 100% sure, but you might be the first ever POC to win the competition. Person of color. Person of color. <laughs> but uh, I could be she wrong be about color. that. But yeah. <laughs> she, <laughs> but uh, I remember us saying to each other before the the finals we were in the top six and we were backstage and we were like saying to each other okay one of us has to fucking win this thing yeah like if one of these guys with their little rape jokes wins you know it's gonna be um but so when you won it was like as if they called my name i was so above and beyond excited and thrilled the only thing that's been really tough is like accepting the loss of from the dudes (laughs) Like, I would have, my dream scenario is for you to come first and me to come second. No. You know, so I could, like, you I wasn't, know, I wasn't quite, I wasn't, I wasn't happy about that. But, like, 
I do. We, we, I looked you in the eye behind backstage and I said, it has to be one of us. It just has to be a woman. And then yeah. we held hands and we prayed as feminists do. And we prayed and we said, <laughs> what was Over our prayer? Blood. Yeah, we said, God is black, God is gay, God eats pussy every day. And we just said that over and over again. You know, I've said that every day ever since because I know. so, but... uh, But that's not what I meant for you to talk about. I wanted you to also say that we were at Lund for our show, The Three Wise Women. Oh my God, yeah. Jesus, so much happened in those two days. So we had an actual show. Yeah, and we were sold out. We were sold out, which is also unusual for comedy festivals in general, but especially this one in Lund. Um, but I think the combination of who we are, that yeah. it was you, me, and Bella Bascom, and the concept of the show, Three Wise Women, like that we're going to be dishing out advice. I mean, mm-hmm. actually, dishing out advice is not a super original concept. There was actually two other shows during the festival that we're doing that but i think ours was the only one that was sold what were they called i I don't remember um one of them was the same night actually just like an hour or two after ours Um, i have to look in the program again but they went and interviewed people in the audience where we were trying out this new thing where we got questions from the audience but through an app that could be anonymous so yeah i thought that was very successful and i thought that the audience felt comfortable. Yeah. Like sending in really quirky questions. Cause I'm pretty proud of that show. Cause I think it was quite original what we did and we all have different styles. Like Bella has her own style. She's hilarious. You have your own style. I have my own style and we sort of work off each other cause we have references to each other. Yeah. I love it. I think it was super successful. Uh, I still like, it's amazing to me that I'm like still hardly taking that in because I've been to this festival like five times and that was the most successful show I've ever had. That was the most tickets I've ever sold that we were perfectly on time. I think it was like the 50 minute format of the show when we were just under it. And what made the show special was our not just doing great stand-up comedy, which was hilarious, but mm-hmm. doing improv. And Sunny, your improvisation was just like legendary. Uh, I and Bella. I just was had also snarky. Good. Bella's really good. I have snarky comments, if that's what you mean by improv. Yeah, I love that defense mechanism for you because it's. Yeah, I'd be so, so defensive. Yeah. I'm a defensive bitch. <laughs> so like... We gotta be in this world, you know. But uh, it was so cool. It was so, so, so awesome. And we got more like followers and people that wanted to see our shows again. And I'm excited. I think we should definitely. Because we had a very successful one. We did their first show in Gothenburg with that. Then we went to Lund. And hopefully we can keep going like Stockholm. Bella said Norway at one point because she has connections up there. Yes. So, yeah, I just wanted everyone to get to know you because hopefully you'll come back on my podcast and we can talk about other things. But um, that you are a heavyweight champion in the comedy scene. And I actually appreciate you also as a feminist and a lot of the things that you do, even having personal conversation with with you, that I feel you're very much involved and passionate about women's issues and trying. You are a fixer. You're like trying to fix things. That's nice. That's what my dad's alcoholism did to me. And Uh (laughs) let's go down that road. No, seriously, like in comedy, I'm like, what made you this way? And it's like, for me, it's daddy issues and maybe, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, But I, 
appreciate you as well so much. I'm an avid fighter for feminism. And I think what people don't realize is how much we struggle here in Sweden, which is supposed to be the feminist Mecca, which is supposed to be the feminist capital of the fucking world. Yeah. Uh, we still deal with sexual harassment. We still deal with uh, defamation. We still deal with, uh, yeah, working alongside people that have been accused and nothing happens. And so I, I just, um, maybe it's my American culture and my heritage, like just something out. It just makes me really fired up and angry. And I was just want to talk about it, bring things to the forefront. Well, we, yeah. Also help women, you know, get better. Yeah. Um, but we will talk about all those things because I wanted to, I wanted us to talk about two things that we were kind of talking about before at London a bit before, like the first thing is the Spanish coach, uh, for the women's Spanish team who got slammed for kissing, forcefully kissing, um, uh, Jenny Hermoso, which is one of the best players. She is actually the best, only 33, the best striker in Spanish football history on the women's side. And then we'll get into the Netflix series on Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, which mm, I got opinions. So <laughs> looking forward but to it. I'm going to just preface it. And I just want to know what you have to say. But yes, so it was the, the president of the Royal Federation of Spanish Football. His name is uh, not Vilda. That's the coach. It's um, Rubiales. Mm -hmm. He's the one that, like, when Jenny Hermoso had scored and the team had won, he took her by two hands and then, for, like, forced a kiss on her. And initially, she did say it was consensual, but I think she really, like, she was unaware and she, there's so much going on and she's not consensual. And, um, you know, he, like, he didn't apologize. He kind of said it was a bit inappropriate. But then he took, like, this whole, like, I'm going to die. I'm like, I'm going to defend myself. And, like, you know, what I did was not... It was not inappropriate. And this is like, what did he, he said it was fake feminism. And so he's been holding the stance. Yeah, he's actually said that. And I won't let you take this away from me. He is now currently suspended from FIFA and from his position. And the coach of the team is fired and replaced by a female. Was a, a, for, uh, the coach had an assistant coach and she is a female. And now she's the coach of the Spanish team. This coach is different. He supported um, Rubiales, but... You know what's interesting about the coach is that um, when he coached the Spanish women's team, 15 of the players wrote letters to the federation. This is before this happened, so a year ago. 15 of the best female players in Spain wrote a letter to the federation saying, like, he's emotionally and psychologically um, kind of torturing us. Like, he's actually abusing us. And it's it's tormenting us and we're not able to play and it's like he's targeting us in various ways and the federation wrote back and said and supported the coach instead of the female players and got rid of 15 female players from the spanish team they brought back three and those three are the ones that are now i guess not now or yes are back on the are fight are playing for spain but it's like for me this is so as in sweden we say provocerante it like makes me feel it provokes me because it's like these great female players under the thumb and like under like always like under the rule of men, like always just, I don't know what you have to say to that, but I'm upset about the kiss. Cause I think it is sexual assault hundred percent. And it seems like, well, they have to go through the case study. Like the, they, the, the courts have to decide, but the minister of equality in Spain said it's a form of sexual violence that he had just like forced this on her. 
A hundred percent. I totally yeah. agree with that. I'm kind of like shocked at that verdict because I think it's so honest. Like, I don't think we're given that much grace in these situations most of the time, but I think it's easy enough for me to say like in these kind of situations where kissing, hugging, touching inappropriately, like sometimes it's difficult to put your finger on, but that kiss was so blatant that if he had done that to a male player or done that, oh, he wouldn't like, have. It, it, I mean, it, it's impossible to think about. Like I think about how men hug me in stand up and yeah. how they shake hands or bump fists with men. Yeah. And I don't know, like if I've instigated hugging people, but I've started to do that because uh, you know, personal space is personal space. And like, I, I definitely agree that it's sexual violence. I think what I get out of this situation is that, um, it takes so much to happen and physical evidence to be revealed, to believe the story of women. I didn't know this whole backstory about 15 women riding in and saying, this guy is dangerous. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not surprised though. It totally they were punished. I mean, like yeah, that they were punished. They they were taken off the best team, not able to play their, not able to fulfill their dream. This is what makes me upset. Is like so when we do come forward and women do say something, there is a risk. There's a huge risk of like losing our jobs, or we're already underpaid, or we're not getting the opportunities that we need. I have lost jobs over stuff like this, like about someone else being sexually harassed and me standing up to it and you know, quitting and not wanting to work there, almost being fired. But I I think what really makes me angry is that, okay, one dude, 15 letters. They're willing to get yeah. 15 new women. They're willing to throw away all of these players for one fucking dude who then in some time later found out to be guilty anyway. And yeah. so all of the wrongdoing has still not been undone, right? Like, yeah. so all the women that sent in those letters, they aren't back on the teams. They haven't, you know, made a public apologies to them for saying, hey, you know, those letters that you wrote us, you were totally right. Sorry for mm-hmm. everything. Here's the settlement money or you're welcome back on the team. And that's why, like, the on continuing punishment that people aren't thinking about in these situations is so harmful to women and especially in, in sports and places where women are not the prominent figures like, and we've seen this as well in, in stand up and the film industry. It happens all the time. We're willing to replace women very easily. And that's like the thing oh, yeah. that always really bothers me is how undervalued we are in these situations. Like, so yeah, the kiss and the kiss is done by the president of the Federation and the coach he's different. So that's what happened. But like, it actually made me think about comedy where it's like, I think we, well, I only know the Swedish scene. You know the Swedish scene. I don't know how much you know any other scene, like the American scene, because you are American. I don't really know the Canadian really. scene as I much. Mean, no, no, not really. Because I, I spend mean... more time here. Yeah. But I do think, like, if we're going to be, I'm going to be honest, is, like, I think I love the Swedish scene, but I do think it's small. And I do feel like a lot of female comedians are at the mercy of male bookers in the sense that they're, they're they the gatekeepers of the comedy world are males. We don't have a lot of female bookers. We don't have a lot of female run clubs, um, female run comedy shows. And I think it would make a huge difference if we did. 
at least balance it out or even have more females. And I really I totally do. agree. Yeah. I mean that to me, okay. So here just, and I think this also relates to what we're talking about. So bear with me on the rabbit hole a little bit that I think that when we start at the top, so the male, uh, there is a club owner who's male, probably white. So male, white guy. Now this guy is also the booker. So he looks out and picks what he thinks is funny. And his background, his life, like, so he finds more white male comedians who come to the show and perform. Now, who are the people that come and see the white males perform? People who also find them funny. White males. Yeah. And then evidently that has become the standard of what stand-up comedy is. So people have accepted this form. And like, I've noticed that a lot of women will go to a stand-up show and laugh at misogynistic jokes because we're yeah. so fucking used to it. Yeah. Oh and, my God. and we don't, yeah. and we don't think that they mean it. That's the other thing is that we think that they're joking, but they're a lot of the time they're not. Um, so that power structure and that dynamic, I don't think that a lot of guys intentionally think I'm only going to hire male comics that I've had so many people say to me, no, I don't care if you're black or white. I don't care if you're male or female. I just want you to be funny. And uh, I'm like, well, it's obvious what you find funny. So like, mm-hmm. I, I might be funny to a different audience, but you don't respect or appreciate that because you're just focused on your audience and the people that you brought to your club. Yeah. And so since that's 90% of our industry, like the festival that we were just at used to be run by men, but was taken over by women. And after that shift happened, people said, so many feminist shows, so many women, it's like 50%. (laughs) What they did was even the scales. We're at 50%. There are just as many male shows as there are female shows. Like we have a gay show, we have a super manly show. Like we have all these things that are sitting next to each other. Mm -hmm. And because that shift feels so big, it's like threatening you know, and it is. and it's only 50%. Like you said, it's only even when we equal out, it's a threat. It's too oh, much. Time. That's interesting. But um, yeah. why is it that like, I find this question really interesting for me, like hop into this Johnny Depp stuff. I was like, why do you think people are used to misogynistic and sexist, sexist jokes? And they are women, because I do get that. When I'm performing, I promise you, I'm in like, I'll get compliments like, oh, this, I guess what you're doing, what you're doing, it must be so much fun. I'm like, yeah, but it's all a lot of work. I got to hit open mics with majority men who go up there like with not funny jokes and they still get laughs. And I'm sitting here thinking like, how am I going to cut it against this kind of misogynistic material and sexist material? And it makes me wonder about women too. It's like, is it because we're conditioned to actually believe men are funnier or that a joke I don't know. Like, is that, is that what it is? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Cause it does, I, it makes me think a lot about comedy and women. Oh, me too. I, there is no, I think they, I yeah. think it's so complicated because there are, um, comedians who I think write brilliant, uh, dark material that's misogynistic, that's racist. Yeah. That's, and so I can't just place everything in one box and go like, yeah, this is it. But I do, in general think that we're conditioned so much to enjoy misogynistic humor because since the start of comedy like a hundred years ago i mean we've all we've had stand-up in different forms like i think people going out in the square and telling jokes in the 1600s is like still stand-up comedy it's just now it's in this like different form a hundred years ago and 
I, I think we've been conditioned enough, but what I realized about myself as a comedian was how I was shaping myself to fit in their world. And yeah, I didn't even think about it. I talked about porn. I talked about sports. I talked about like, ser- seriously, like, and I thought these are the things that matter to me. Like, this mm-hmm. is what's important to me. And it took me like actually snapping the fuck out of it and being like, Hey, why am I doing this? Like, why am why this isn't me. And it almost took other uh, comedians being like, you know, I, I gotta be honest. I don't think this is you. And it, it was hard to hear that because I didn't see it myself. But then when I went up there and I started telling jokes that were pushing back on it, like I have the male suicide joke where if I'm performing with all men, I'll say like, give it up for all the men you saw tonight. Did you know that men are four times as likely to kill themselves? So some of those guys you'll never see again. Give them a round of applause. Like, see, I, I just got mad. Like, I just got, but, but, and sometimes, sometimes, like, sometimes that joke goes dead in the room because I'm with, like, a bunch of dudes. But most of the time, yeah, it's like, an ex- it's a relief. Like, it's an explosion mm-hmm. of just, like, people going, like, thank God, like, someone, you know, made a joke that was the other direction. I also told jokes about how I thought that, during the Me Too movement that men were ridiculous for, I haven't done this joke in so long, but it was like something about um, like, oh, I didn't mean to uh, sexually harass you. And I'm like, you know, that is the only time that you would be able to use that. Would you just walk into a bank and be like, I didn't mean to rob this bank. And like, I tried, I tried to use scenarios like that. The joke never really took off. And I, mm-hmm. but it was the best experimenting I've done in a while to watch how people react because sometimes it was like really well received in a mixed audience of both men and women. And men had told me how interesting it was to like listen to and it was thought provoking. And that was when I felt like a real comic when I was like, oh, I said something thought provoking that was also funny. And that's when I felt like a man. (laughs) Sorry, 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 sorry. No, but but, um... sorry, just to close that, I just wanted that. I think it takes snapping out of, and it takes us being really brave, uh, to go against what's popular. But I think that when we do, when we do it from a place that's honest, then, uh, it's, it ends up really well. And I've seen you do similar things, which is why I idolize you so much because I think it's important. I think it's important that we, tell our perspectives, like what it's like for us, how it is to live in it up there. Um, yeah. But yeah. But I think I love what you said there where it's like making thought provoking jokes and, but that's hard, you know, like it it's not easy. Like the amount of times I've tried and I failed uh, when I test the material, it's mostly because it is hard to be kind of slightly political and funny. It does require a balance. Big- but we should never be stopped from it and we should just keep going. And I love what you're doing and Bella's doing and what I'm doing. And it's just like, I'm not going to go up there and kind of do always clean, squeaky, fluffy marshmallow material. I'm not going to worry about that shit. Like I do want to do the things that I care about, but it's as an artist, it's finding that way, that balance to do it. I think female comics also get more pushback and more flack for being a hundred percent. I get that a lot. Fucking percent, like, and it drives me crazy because uh, someone pulled me aside after that suicide joke and was like, "Was that really appropriate?" And I'm like, "Are you 
really? Like, that was your line today? Like, after we had to listen to the anti-semi, after we had to listen to the misogynist, like, this was too much for you? This was the line, right? And you know? the, the thing is, is like, do you, I do a mental counter in my head on open mics when I'm testing material. Who, who's going to come up with a pedophile joke, an anti-Semite joke? I have those counters like ding, 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 all the men, all the men. Just come, I'm a pedo. And it's just like, it's always a pedo joke. So I love that stuff. And a rape joke. You know how many rape jokes? I, I, I just want to say this, and it's kind of going on a tangent, but like, I don't believe in canceling uh, comedians. I personally don't like, I think if a joke is bad, I think it's up for the audience. Like, you know, Jimmy Carr, do you, have you heard about this clip where he has this joke about, it's something about gypsies where it's like, he's like, nobody Whoa. talks about the, Yeah, Jimmy Carr, he uh, got, it got him in trouble. His joke, essentially, I'm, pre, I'm fra- rephrasing it. I don't know, you can find it online. But essentially he's saying the mo- nobody talks about the positives of the Holocaust. And, and then he says gypsies. That's his joke. Essentially, that's what his joke is. And people were upset in the UK and they're like, we should cancel. And I'm like, you know, I don't find that joke funny. Clearly he's at such a point in his career that he can just say stupid shit like that. And he thinks it's funny. I don't think it's funny. Right. But I I think like, for me, it's like having the freedom to say something, but knowing our restrictions. Like for instance, I don't think rape jokes are absolute. There's no way a rape joke is funny. I have heard different variations of rape jokes in the open mic scene. I wouldn't cancel a comedian over that, but I just think like out of all the things that you could possibly joke about, it's just a lack of creativity on your end that you had to scrape the fucking barrel for a rape joke. I don't know. know, That's just, that's my perspective. I listened to your episode. I think it was your last episode where you were talking about the Quran burnings and about yeah. uh, freedom of speech, basically about, you know, not prohibiting people from doing things because when you prohibit, it makes the other side more inflamed and in that they take other courses of action until we're proving that there is no free speech anymore. It's like a tactic, you know, to yeah. try to get that. And so I don't agree with it entirely. I'm just not a book burning person myself, but uh, <laughs> I, feel the exact same way about stand-up comedy because I have found that the more that we try to silence people, the worse it gets. The worse it gets. Not only does it get worse, but it creates an audience who's especially into what you're talking about. Oh my God. Anti-Semitism and racism are some of the worst, I think, that I see in stand-up and also misogyny. You're talking about mm-hmm. rape jokes, pedophilia. Like, I mean, when you walk into a room with a comedian who's headlining, who has those actual beliefs and like who's, you know, right wing or like a white supremacist mm-hmm. or whatever, and they may not publicly display that, but their jokes are leaning in that direction, then you're looking into an audience who also believes those things. And that laughing at it almost just solidifies the beliefs in a different way, you know? And that's why I think when we're talking about, it's hard to listen to what I've said about canceling people, because I do not believe you can say whatever the fuck you want. I've heard white guys go up and say the N word. I've heard, I've had guys go up and say, you know, make fun of gay people. I'm like, listen, um, you can say whatever you want. That's your time up there. We live in a free country. You can say whatever you want you can deal with the repercussions. If you mm-hmm. have people that come up to you after the show and tear you down, I'm not going to stop them. If, yeah. Like if I'm running the show and someone's like, oh, well, I can say whatever I want. Yeah, you can. You're so welcome to go do that. And if you get a bunch of shit for it and you lose a bunch of gigs or 
you don't carry on with your career, that was your decision. That was your fault. And I think you're right that most of the time that these jokes aren't good. And um, it's hard to see people laughing at them in small rooms. And it's hard to see them laughing at them on national television. Yeah. Um, but I think that's even more reason why I think we have to stick to our guns and our beliefs are going to be just as funny, just as insightful, yeah. just as, and, and not that everything has to be politically motivated either. I mean, I talk no. about drugs a lot and I don't yeah. lean that in a political way, but it can be if you interpret it that way. And I, I think you'd be, I think that, that my biggest concern and my biggest worry is that we don't believe that we're up to the challenge and the task of being in men's rooms and being funny, being ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's how that's I true. feel about myself. And I don't know yeah. if other women feel that way, but I hear it a lot where girls are going, I'm not getting booked because they don't think I'm funny. And then I'll go to that club to watch the other comics. They're not getting laughs. <laughs> They're not, you know, pulling a headliner material, but I wasn't invited because I wasn't good enough. And that's, uh, that's, yeah, where female run clubs comes in. That's where, you know, just sticking to it, building your audience, yeah. using social media. It's really fucking hard. And it's part of the reason why women drop out of this industry a lot. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. I, I agree with you on, on comedy and holding our ground and letting them say what they want to say. I think when you suppress them, what I've seen recently is that the right wing has produced their own bubbles of comedy that are so outrageous that I have not seen in the, like, this is, this is a real new development. I've not seen this years ago. I'll give you an example. I can't remember the, I can't remember the name of the clip, but Megan Rapino, I think if you know, our American soccer player, she was lambasted because I suppose she had a smile on her face when she missed a goal for the American soccer. Like it was so, it was like it's American reaction. It was super, it was destructive, you know, really tearing her down. Um, and there was a comedian on a YouTube clip who basically was right wing tearing her down. And it wasn't even funny. Essentially what he was joking about was like, Megan Rapino, like comparing her intimate, like her genitalia to an Arby's sandwich. I'm being dead serious. This, oh this, this, this clip, this clip has around like 60,000 views. Okay. And it's climbing, um, comparing her, like saying Megan Rapino, um, it was honestly sexual harassment. I, that's, I, when I saw the clip, I was so upset about it. Cause I'm like, this, none of it's funny what he's saying. It's sexual. He's actually just throwing abuses at her, but he has the audience for it. Cause what's happened is I think people have sort of canceled comedians and the right wing is getting stronger and they've built this kind of platform and this bubble among themselves where comedy has taken such a dark turn with them, where their sense of comedy is like everything you said, like anti-Semitism, racism, abortion, you know, women's rights. They just make feminism. There's just one, I was just like, sorry on the tangent, but there's this one um, UK comedian who he talked about it in a podcast. I don't know his name off the top of my head, but anyways, essentially he got canceled for having right-wing material. I was interested in what he had to say. So I was listening to the podcast and he's like, I've been canceled and canceled. And now finally I just put my stuff on YouTube and TikTok, and I've blown up. I've, I get bookings all over the world. I go to the U S and then I listen to clips of his material and he's literally lambasting women's rights, just basic women's rights, like mm -hmm. abortion, planned mm -hmm. parenthood, 
<laughs> like just being a feminist, you know, mm-hmm. anything threatening to him as a man would be just an independent woman. And that's funny. That's, that's mm-hmm. deemed funny. And I, I'm just like, my mind is blown. So it's an interesting situation where I don't want to cancel. I don't believe in canceling people, but I just think like, it's a shift where men's stuff is getting, like, I don't think men are funny. <laughs> it's just gotten progressively it's, worse. Yeah. It's not hard. all men are funny. Not I mean, all men are funny. Well, okay. So also some context for my own personal background. I grew up in a very conservative family that are Trump supporting, gun supporting. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I know, right? And Spass I <laughs> No, no, no. But, you know, I think what's so awful for me is that I actually miss the time when our ideologies weren't our personality. I think that my father and my mother are really excellent people. They are so giving, compassionate. Mm -hmm. And I think when it came down to it, that they would be accepting of immigrants. They'd be pro-women's rights because that's how they act in real life. But our perception of us and them has gotten us so separated that... And so when I start seeing these comedians who are uh, far right, I mean, that's, I grew up with that. So I don't feel as yeah. uh, disconnected to it. And I try to look at that as a person, as a person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, he's a person. But so very wait, gracious wait, wait. of you, but, darling. I know, I know. Um, but so here's my thing is that there is a comedian here in Sweden named Victor Clemming. Victor Clemming is um, a comedian who's famous on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram, and is also a stand-up comedian. We've known each other for several years. He's in my, I've acted in some of his sketches. Uh, we've gone on to, we've done a lot of shows together. He's a really nice guy, and we have very opposite beliefs. Uh, he is uh, anti-trans, um, questioning of uh, the LGBTQ plus realm, uh, anti-immigration, you know, so, and we have very differing ideologies on that. And he's written jokes that are about his ideologies about, you know, he's like has jokes on Black Lives Matter and on <laughs> women's rights and stuff. And um I have done shows right next to him where I go in the complete opposite direction and do the anti-sexual harassment and anti-men. And I have had such good conversations with Victor. He's an amazing person and he has given me so much respect. Like I'll come off stage and he'll be like, that last joke was hilarious. And I'll be like, did you get it? Like, did you hear it? Like, and he goes, it was funny. Like, I mean, I yeah. don't, I mean, I don't necessarily, I'm not with you hundred percent, but it was funny. And that really clicked me and yeah. him because then it made me look at him and go like, okay, if he took a step for me, then I can take a step for him. And I think those relationships are so rare right now where people are unable to meet in the middle like that. And I have dreams about doing stuff like this where we, put comedians like that up against each other or they're in the same lineup That's is what I mean. Because yeah. then we have completely different groups of people, different backgrounds, cultures, ideologies, and we're all there to do one fucking thing and it's listen and laugh to each at each other, with each other. Yeah. And I can only hope that sometime in the future we will... Because right now it's like either... Yeah, you're right. Because of cancel culture, we end up in a us and them category, which is super dangerous, uh, because I'd rather us sit in the same rooms and have to listen to each other than to have to pick and choose about what we think is right. I want to say something though. Um, we were talking about 
the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard case. And, yes. Um, yeah. What I... I just, in general, because I, I don't know how long we wanted to talk here, but we were... It related to our comedy community and about mm -hmm. believing women and about yeah. how we perceive women. And most importantly is when we're at comedy shows and we see women laugh at misogynistic jokes, that to me just solidifies how many hundreds and thousands of years of ingrained, embedded misogyny is so yeah. deep within that men hating women and convincing us that we're evil, you know, sexy yeah. creatures is not new. No. What I find disturbing is when women start to believe that women are evil creatures yeah. that, you yeah. know, uh, and, and that's what I was getting out of the, the, the segue, the, the red thread between feminism yeah. is that I see women not supporting women in standup all the time. And oh my that gosh. bothers me yeah. more than anything else. <laughs> oh, we have so many tangents. I mean, we'll get to the Johnny Depp and we'll round, we'll round off in like 10 minutes. But, um, gosh, you said so many great things. Like, well, I can't remember everything. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to shorten it up. <laughs> but, uh, no, no, it was so many great things, but like, um, it's, it's like centuries of misogyny and like, just think about the mockery of women. Like, you know, in Shakespeare's time, women couldn't act. So it was men dressed as women. We never even had a place on stage until many, many like centuries later. So we're so used to men mocking women, but when women mock a man, it's not as funny. Do you ever get that? Because we're not used to it, right? Yeah. And the misogyny yeah. aspect is really interesting, and we'll talk about that in the, in, in the of the Netflix series that we saw. But I want to say this about the comedy thing. Also, making I do... fun of men puts us in a place of violence. So oh if we make God. fun of them, they'll they'll hurt us. That's why it's also risky. And I'll tell you why men make like men men hate women. Not all men, but they do. Like though. just a, yeah, <laughs> men hate women. But do you know who they hate more than women though? feminists and it's like that's who they no but it's true it's, it's so true cool. i i promise you your love day your love day every time i say anything feminist or remotely pro-women around any guy friends it's like what do you what you're just gonna decide to stop being fun like i i got that one like i got two things like that before you're not gonna be fun anymore it's like you know it's they're threatened by it's like it's like almost we they're threatened by our belief in in ourselves it's like it's really interesting and it's like a loss of power it's a loss of power honey because like the definition of feminism that i like i adhere to is that it really is to overthrow patriarchy so we do have to recognize that men hold a power over us when you recognize that in, in all the institutions and in all its forms then of course that is kind of a power struggle there that you want to do that and i think um, men hate what feminists more than they hate women and feminists coincidentally are women. So it's a double whammy. Um, it is, but in terms of the comedy thing, cause that's a tangent, um, which is important. It's like, it's unfortunate, but the, the short amount of time that I've experienced in stand up, I will say this, and this is my opinion that I feel I have gotten more opportunities from men actually than from women. I have had more men say that was good here will you open for me or will you do this? And that's gotten me way further than like, a, you know, a female comedian that's maybe in a similar position. Like I know one female comedian who I know paid another man more than me and we are of the same level and everything. And there was no, 
and that's fine. It's her so show. It's also really common. No, it's yeah, super it's super, common. it's super common, but it's like, I just wonder too, is it because that men have taken up more spots and now the women that have made it are really kind of holding on to that. And it is competition among us. Um, because I really want to be wrong, but I'm telling you personally, my personal belief is like, I've known two men that have helped me and they have actually just kind of catapulted me further. And I know you've helped me. So there are, I'm not saying all women. No, I'm no, not. No. no, but I think the general question is really interesting because I think that it has to do with more the financial background and security than it has to do with anything else. I think yeah. that oftentimes the men that give us opportunities, which most, like I'd say 90% of my opportunities in the past have come from men. It's only recently that I've been empowered and pushed forward by women and I'm still struggling with it. Um, is that I think that women don't offer their place also because, or helping not their place, like just helping more women forward is that there's not a lot of money in our industry. And that, so if they're hanging on to two or 3000 crowns a show and that the men have told us we're not worth it, then the women start to go, yeah, you know what? You're also worth like 2000 kroner a show or 3000 kroner a show. Then it's feels threatening that we also don't have enough power to say that we've sustained that position. I think a lot of the men that help us have sustained their position and that they feel comfortable and in a place to share and that women are unfortunately not in a place of feeling comfortable enough to share their wealth and share their space. And that actually, I think is a perception because I think that inviting more women means growth. It just means that more people will be interested in coming to stand up, will build a bigger audience. People are so afraid. They think that Sweden, you know, 9 million people in this country, it's not enough to make a living. You know, if ever, if there's a hundred thousand comedians, but like it's, it's fiction. Like it's not real. Like we Mm. have to know that building community, that building like that is strength. And it's just a fear that we have probably perpetuated a lot by the patriarchy that, Oh, Mm -hmm. well, there's only a few funny women and and those few are only going to get these amount of dollars from our comedy shows and our industry. So, I mean, like I get that there's a fear, but I, you and I shared a story privately where I like lashed out at a female who didn't share information with me about mm-hmm. a comedy club that's difficult to get into here in Sweden. I just know that networking is often the way that you it is. make yeah. your way. Absolutely. But that women withhold information a lot for me about like what they're getting paid, about who to talk to to get into a club, like mm-hmm. how, what material is acceptable at those clubs. Like there's a lot of information that we can share to build each other up or give each other opportunities. And I think women just hide that a lot because they feel threatened at their own space. And it's just, it's a, it's a lie. It's, yeah. I think it's a lie. Like you're going to keep your place. If you're in fact, I think that that's the thing is that that's what men do. <laughs> like they yeah. give each other space, even when they're not a hundred percent comfortable because they believe, well, that guy is good enough to make me look good. That's what I think. Yeah. What they think. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to bring my buddy who's yeah. like also very funny and they're going to thank me for bringing him in here. For some reason, women don't have that. It's mentality. a scarcity mentality. It's a scarcity. Like there's not enough abundance or not enough spots and it's unfortunate, but let's, you're really good at breaking, having these conversations. You're really good at like, like opening it up. And I think we should just continue doing that. Absolutely. I give, 
like whatever contacts I have, which is basically all you know anyways, I'm happy to give you like, or and give other females my contacts. Because for me at the end of the day, I think it's, I'm like, we're all individual artists. I'm going to work on me being funny and I'm going to be booked for me. I'm not in competition for anyone else because I can't be you and you can't be me. Like we're so different, different comedians. So we just be our best selves and then we get booked for ourselves as like our brand. And that's it. That's the best. And I think that's how men think. It's like, well, you can't really be me. I'm me. And then I'm being booked for me. Do you know yeah, what I mean? I think so too. And I yeah. also don't think that they're scared if there's too many of them. Like the amount, no. the amount of shows that I've seen that are white 32 year old men and there's five of them in the same show. Like they're not fucking scared. that They're going to talk about the same things. Like who, why would it even matter if we did? But I'm with you. I, I think that the whole point is, you know, know that have a firm belief in yourself. And I think mm -hmm. that's something women also need more than ever. Just know that what you think, what you feel, it's all valid and it's all powerful and that you mm -hmm. can channel that into being your best self and your best performer and not. Yeah. 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 Okay, so let's get into the Netflix series because, like, I was like, oh, we'll just like do this for thirty minutes, and like, I'm no, gonna go no, to the no. gym. I'm, this is amazing so far. I love. I'm it. having so much fun. I like love talking to you. I have like a zillion things going through my head, and like, want to ask me you too. <laughs> I love how you did say as a correction to my listeners, like, I'm pro book burning. Um, no, <laughs> I'm pro free speech. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I don't, I'm not out there willy nilly burning books, but listen to my podcast episode for <laughs> You should have seen her at the comedy festival. She took out the program and she was like, burn it. No, I'm just, no, no, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. So yeah, I was, being, I was being flagrant. I apologize. No, I like that we also, I think, I think through our discussions, we are, we do think differently on some points. And I really do appreciate that because I think debates and conversations are important within the feminist and just women's discussions because it's like you get to learn more about each other and of course like I know I know what objections you have to certain things I say and I totally understand them like I get it so I'm also getting to a place where like I'm comfortable with two things existing at the same time like yeah. I I think that in I think that too often we have to like settle and agree on one ideology and I think a lot of the things that you said are true. And I think a lot of the things that I think and say are true as yeah. well. Like they're, they both, they can both exist. And that's why I appreciate being here so much. And I think yeah, that we should talk, have different ideas and different things. Just like you said, you're awesome. Okay. So when I asked you to do the podcast about the Spanish football player, um, uh, Jenny Hermoso, who we only talked about briefly, sorry, women, we only talked about her briefly. <laughs> you're like, you messaged me and you're like, that's so cool. Also, would you like to talk about the Netflix series of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard from the case that they had last year, right? They were in trial. Everyone knows about this. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't see it. And then I saw it and I binge watched it in a night. And I'm like, it's, it's fucking bananas. Like, I just, I don't know if you want to go first on what you thought. I think it's better because I'm just going to literally burst in like what's going to be very opinionated thoughts. Actually, I didn't should go first. Burst, girl. Burst. I... I really, first of all, this is like, I just, I don't know where to start. I am so disappointed in humanity when I watch that Netflix series to see, like, of course they're celebrities. Of course they have money. This is in many ways could be considered like very dramatized and it shouldn't have been filmed, but to see a woman have to describe the very, um, like, like uh, a horrible kind of things that were being done to her. And then to be blatantly called a liar. And then on top of that, 
like it's like the witch kind of like a witch trial of her where these TikTok users are just like mimicking her like there was that line where she's like and then she got slapped and she stared at the carpet and then in the did you know that um Lance Brass of Net of NSync did him did him he mimicked that as well did you know that what isn't that insane fuck? what the yeah. fuck when that came out Lance Brass I read this on an article he did that he pulled the video down from TikTok but this man thought it was funny to like so essentially they would get her voice where she describes in court that he slapped her and she had tears in her eyes and she was staring at the carpet and she never realized how dirty the carpet was he like mimics this whatever worth her voiceover and i'm like how is this happening like i think that that is so what you just said just to clarify that so that people understand this is that yeah. they use her actual verbatim vocal yes. recorded statement from trial in a TikTok video. Yeah. That's, That's the insane. fucking world that we're living in. That's insane. It's, it's really disappointing. I, okay. So it's like, so, yeah, go ahead. Just take the floor. No, I just, I just wanted to clarify a few things because, uh, I saw that the trial was going to go down and I was, not interested at all because I hate uh, celebrity disputes and how much money we're willing to make off of the backs of people's relationships. I find that just morally disgusting, to be honest. Mm. Brangelina, uh, Jennifer Lopez, you know, celebrity relationships and all those things. It just, it, it just disgusts me that we like get involved in their relationships and try to build up an ideology of who's right and who's wrong. Like, um, and 10 million so, was made from these TikTok full social media accounts, 10 million plus off that trial. But go ahead. That's how much me, people might I'm, I'm so glad you and because I didn't know that. And it, yeah. I just find that abhorrent. I yes. find that absolutely revolting. So when the trial came up um, and the amount of stuff in my social media feed that was about the trial, about Johnny Depp, being pro Johnny Depp and being anti Amber Heard, mm. I didn't want to see a, a, a fuck. I, I steer either stared, steered clear of social media or when posts came up from public accounts. So when I say public accounts, I mean, not someone's personal account. I mean, memes are, or whatever the fuck, mm -hmm. like I, I either unsubscribed to the content temporarily, or I clicked and said, I don't want to see anything more like this. Um, because I just, I think it's also, it feels very infectious to just mm. fall into social media and just be fed what you're being given. And I think mm -hmm. that that's also wrong and like very fucked up. And we keep attacking Facebook and social media accounts for doing this, but nothing mm -hmm. ever happens. Um, so I had no idea what happened in the trial. I steered clear of it. I didn't watch anything to do with it. And I almost didn't watch this Netflix documentary because again, it's just making more money off of a situation but I thought I should know, like I should see what went down because I do care about feminism. I do care about defamation cases. I do care about, you know, these things. So let's see what happens. And the, and the documentary is largely about social media and about how the cameras were turned on, on purpose and during this trial to get a boost for Johnny Depp's popularity. And how the case ended up turning out was that Amber Heard lost her, like she lost against Johnny Depp and ended up owing him $1 million. But he also, he also lost yeah. uh, against her. And now I think what it said at the end of the documentary, correct me if I'm wrong, is that they dropped the 
money charges and have decided to settle, but that there's still other cases or something that's going on. Like it's a, it's an unsettled thing. Well, they settled. Um, I don't know about the other cases, but um, I don't think they'll reopen it because maybe. remember, they're part of the documentaries. They have unsealed documents that were requested. People crowdfunded. So after the case was done. Oh, yeah. They yeah. opened the sealed documents. They opened yeah. and the sealed documents revealed things like, well, he did. There's evidence that he did kick her in the back on the yeah. plane in front of his employees. Yeah. Um, that he had these really violent text messages going back with Marilyn Manson, um, that he wanted to include nude photos in the case trial to show the jury that she used to be a stripper at a certain point, and these are her. Yeah. And then the, the judge is like, "No, you can't include that. That's nothing to do with." The, but just shows you the mis like. I just I can't. So yeah. yeah, for me watching this case. So here here's my actual personal, maybe slightly controversial opinion about this is that I have been in relationships like this romantic relationships family relationships friendship relationships that have become abusive reaction to being in abusive situations is often violent and yeah. angry and so when i see how things get turned around on her it reminds me of being in those situations and going, I didn't know how to handle myself. I was in depressed. I was de extremely depressed, like suicidal thoughts, had high levels of anxiety, uh, mood, major mood swings, alcohol, uh, substance abuse. And that's not okay either. There's no excusing either side of abuse because then when I am attacked and I attack back, that doesn't make me, you know, uh, free of any blame when the relationship goes that bad. And that's part of the reason why I stay so far away from these things is because I think that both Amber Heard and Johnny Depp affected each other is how I ended 100%. up seeing it. Yeah. But I do, but I think what, what's abhorrent about the whole thing is that when there is presented evidence, uh, because oftentimes these, he said, she said things like people keep saying that's not evidence, but Amber Heard had evidence. She had she had a testimonial from a person that was there, but they discounted that because it was her sister and not. And then when yeah. it was Johnny Depp's assistance, they said they tampered with my text messages. It's like that he has no responsibility. He has no, uh, mm -hmm. and the fact that they turned it around completely made me think that the me too movement did absolutely nothing. I mean, we're looking at this from the, a perspective where we're supposed to believe women or, uh, or people, just people in general that have suffered at the hands of abusers is that we have to believe them first and come up with some kind of counteraction to say that that's not okay. And he was uh, the one suing her for defamation and defamation cases are almost always lost. I think you know, yeah. like, or, or that she doesn't, or what I mean is, is that the defamation, like there was also a case here in Sweden of defamation with Cece Wallin and this guy that she said raped her. Uh, and there was no physical evidence apparently that he had raped her. And so he filed a defamation suit against her and he won. So again, here in Sweden, where we think we're in the feminist mecca, like yeah. that that case just proved to me again, like that the whole Me Too thing. It what is 
like, what does it mean? You know, like, why did we go through all that to then yeah. just end up in the same fucking place that we've always been, which is women are evil witches who made it our responsibility that yeah. you abused and raped us. Well, I mean, like, I'd love, I really want, I have a list of podcast uh, themes, but like um, topics, but Swedish feminism would be a very interesting one having you on and contact yeah. and, and a Swedish feminist that I know of as well. Um, but I just want to say this, that everything that you said is actually quite interesting because a psychologist wrote this in an article. She said the mo the people that are actually, who've actually had these kind of experiences are not generally not the people that are engaging in social media and doing these memes and doing these accounts and, and liking and stuff like that. Because when you have trauma, you have these experiences, you do distance yourself. And I have had, like, I grew up in a violent household and I grew up and I had these relationships where essentially when you are a victim of kind of abuse, your defense can be aggression too. And so what happened and what the problem is, is that people aren't used to that. They think a victim is someone that just cries all the time and puts their head down. And so, well, you know, one of the things about Amber that they said was like, oh, she just looked at the jury and she said these, she said, of course she looked at the jersey. She had that trial in the UK as well. She's been, this has been a long period of time in between where she had to be talking with the lawyers and she had to relive everything. She has the confidence to look these people in the eye and be like, I was abused, you know, and was I perfect? She didn't say that though, but was she perfect? Clearly she wasn't like she had, there was, it was a very intense relationship that they have. So I totally agree with you. But I think what happened is, is that the public was looking for a true victim in their eyes Oof. and a so true, true aggressor. And what my experience from abuse, because I've dealt with the same as you, is like, no, actually, sometimes when you're in this toxic environment, your responses can be aggressive as well, because it is a defense against what's happening. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was a huge step back for women in terms of domestic violence. That's what I feel mm -hmm. like. I'm not I'm not saying I know everything you're saying is correct about like celebrity trials and whatever. But I'm saying the fact that we had to publicize that, I think, set women back. And I'll just say Great this, time. like, yeah. I did not want to engage when it happened, when it was happening live time, because it was just so, I, you get piled on. Like I remember uh, in the open right? mic scene, yeah, there it's was like a comedian, lava that just... I know a comedian, like a male comedian. Um, he just like, I don't know, we're having this discussion. He's like, what team, team Johnny, man, I'm so tired of the women's movement and me too. Like, yo, she's a liar. She's a narcissist. She's a narc. And it's just like, they would just pile on you. And imagine if I made a joke in the comedy scene about being pro Amber, I would have got slammed. Like, like I would have been better off with rape material, just general, you know, or like pedo material. Like, it's just like, but it was so infectious. And I just think anyone I think everyone should watch that documentary and and be slightly disappointed in humanity and and how women are being treated because I think that is a big setback for women. Um, I totally, yeah, I totally agree. And but uh, to me, it's it's yeah, the publicizing of how they went through that court case and also how social media just so quickly jumped on it. Like, I still think the biggest blow to me is watching women be antsy amber heard yeah. it's yeah, so fucking hard but it's not the first time either you know do you know how many people like i i love i grew up with michael jackson's music for example i love mm -hmm. michael jackson or i used to love him yeah and it was not easy for me to remove his music off my playlist but i just i to me that was a step too far like everyone's anti-pedophilia everyone's anti-pedophilia until it's yeah. michael jackson you know 
And people were like, they, and even some of my best friends who have also been abused have said, I don't believe those victims. Those guys are just doing it for the money. And, or I have been abused. So I know what abuse looks like. And that is the Mm, thing that bothers me the most is we heard that in the documentary as well. Exactly. I've been abused. So I know what this looks like when you and I might be watching this and have a different, my perspective is I know what abuse has felt like for me. And I would never judge how anyone else deals with it because it's like a huge scale. And I'm so glad that you brought that up about, you know, how we expect women to be victimized in these situations and how they expect us to act. Did you, did you see this film called the last duel, which is apparently also the last duel, like with stones and like the men fight each other. Uh, It's about a real case back in the day, I think in like the late 17th century where a woman claims that she was raped by this guy and Mm -hmm. uh, they play out both scenarios of the story. I actually found the movie misogynistic and uh, awful that they play out the men's perspective of a rape Um, where to to him, he didn't rape her. He was just like having a good time and she wanted it. And from her perspective, she was violently raped. And they actually play out those two scenarios in the film and they end up and how history actually plays out. I'm sorry. I'm laughing because mm. it's, it, it ends up being the, the husband of the wife and the guy who raped her going to battle. Like they, they use swords and like, you know, so it, it comes down to a duel uh, for the righteousness of this or the uh, virtue of this woman. So like, you know, in the end, that that's what makes me say this goes back so far is that no one even really believed. No one like we're so used to this. We're so used to like putting women on trial and saying that I think that why this movie was made is it was the first official trial that was like held in front of a the religious court or whatever to decide if she was actually raped. And uh, I just find these things so offensive, you know, I'm just like... I, I think it's fascinating that men think that because it was directed by a man, it was like they said that they consulted me too and that they were very thoughtful of like how they want to pursue the story. Um, but I don't think anyone is thoughtful in pursuing these stories. And if they really want to pursue them, then pursue them in your real life. Like don't go after art, like look at every person around you because you know someone mm-hmm. who's experienced abuse, you know, mm-hmm. you probably may even have close contact or done it yourself and not even realized it. I am so tired of like the publicizing of these things and not actually getting down to it on a personal level. And maybe that's, I'm having a realization that maybe that's why I also find it so triggering and so angering is because when we talk about these things in public, it's completely different on a personal level. And, you know, we can say whatever we want about the character of Johnny Depp and, but when you talk to men about it in real life, that's kind of the other thing is that maybe he helps perpetuate that men are innocent and women are like evil. Well, I think it's very interesting. All the things that you've said, I just want to just go back to what you said about women though. You're disappointed in women. I think like we have to realize, no, but I think we have to realize is like, we have a lot of internal misogyny. We've internalized so much. And that starts from a very young age. It's institutionally, it's culturally, it's religion, it's how we are. Even like I can catch myself like 
being more thoughtful to a man, being more accommodating, just so I don't seem to take up more space or sound more louder. And we internalize it to the point that our enemy, For I'm going to be really honest, for most women, our enemy is another woman Oof. and not the man and not the brother and not the father and not the church and not the state who are honest to God, I feel constantly just owning and trying to possess our body. But that's another, it sounds like a very, that's a very passionate rant <laughs> I have, but that, but that's what I think. And we're not, I think a lot of freeing ourselves would require a lot of reading, to be honest. It's not, it's not that we need to go dress up as Zena and go get a really hot sidekick to own mm -hmm. our feminism. It has a lot to do with educating ourselves and realizing, like, I'll just end on this point is like, feminism has a base. It's, there's, we're historically placed in throughout human history as actually being oppressed. Like we have been oppressed in all history and all different types of society because of our sex, because we are, because, you know, we're, we, we just seem weaker. We are physically a bit weaker, but you know, if they own the way that we can reproduce, they essentially own us. And it's just, it's, it's understanding that. And so I just see this documentary when I saw it, I was just like, Oh, I had to pause it a few times to be like, I'm just so disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. in humanity at this point of course there's other horrible things happening horrible horrible things but i'm disappointed in kind of civilized society that we should be she's using it... a lot of air quotes here if you're listening to this <laughs> and i respect that because i yeah. feel completely the same way yeah exactly air quotes respected like high society yeah. oh, is down to this yeah exactly is yeah. down to basically a couple bickering about who was more abusive about the other mm -hmm. and how quickly we took the man's side, not, not just because he's a man, mm -hmm. but because he's a well-beloved actor. And apparently when you make art that people love, that doesn't have anything to do with this, then that will challenge nothing in your beliefs. Like, oh, he was a pirate once. And like, now I could never believe that he abused his wife. Like, seriously, mm -hmm. people don't mm -hmm. say that out loud, but I think that that's the fucking truth. Like, Michael Jackson could have never molested those children. He wrote We Are the World or whatever. He didn't write that. What You know what I mean? Like, he's, if because he wrote Man in the Mirror, like, he didn't, you know, so I don't know. But it, I still agree. I, I don't know. I, it, makes me cringe to say that women are our enemy. Like, I don't want to agree with that. But I'm not I'm saying still... it as a final statement. I'm saying that oftentimes it could be, and it has but been I, seen. Yeah. My, it's, it's often my worst, um, I, I, in my own personal experience, it's the thing that holds me back the most, makes me feel the most bad. It makes me feel the most alone. Like I'm used yeah. to it from men and I'm not used to it from women. So I, so even though I find it cringy, I'm also like, yeah, but that's my experience. Like that, that's my truth. And there's lots of women who lift me up and give me a lot. So that's not to say that again, it's not, it's a blanket statement, but it is, it is. So, yeah. On that note, I will just mention this one thing. Um, do you know who Danny Morrison is? Have you heard this headline? Danny Morrison, the seventies show hide from the seventies show. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, he sent. He's um. There's a possible sentence to 30 years in prison for him for raping three women. What? Have you heard of this? Yeah, it's been in the news the last couple of days. So he had raped. He had drugged and raped three women during the filming of the 70s show at his height. Danny Mortison. Danny Mortison. That's his name, right? Yeah. And um. Yeah, Danny Matterson. Sorry, Matterson. 
his brother, did you know, his older brother was a Malcolm in the Middle, the oldest child in Malcolm in the Middle, that show. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So he, he um, the, the case has been going on for quite some time where they even had a hung jury where the jury wasn't able to decide. And the judge switched out the jury because the judge knew that this case, you know, it's, it's, it is black and white that this happened. And now he's facing up to 30 years. His lawyers, I love when they say the top lawyers in America, because that's where they have the money, are trying to overturn that, trying to appeal to appeal. But it's a very interesting story because um, here we see justice being served. Like it's very black. When I read the articles, I'm like, this is very black and white. There's no if ands. He did do this. Like he he did. And the women are coming forward and they're quite brave about it. And uh, there's also a slam on Scientology because he's a Scientologist. So the church tried mm -hmm. to protect him. Leia Remy, do you know her? Leia Remini? Yeah, oh, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've watched the whole series, yeah. Oh, yeah, super outspoken critic of Scientology. She was there at the court hearing, and she said this quote. Um, she was there, and she listened to the sentence. She said, in relation to Scientology, sitting in court today with the woman who survived Danny Matterson's predation was a surreal experience. I am relieved that this dangerous rapist will be off the streets and unable to violently assault and rape women with the help of Scientology, a multi-billion dollar uh, criminal organization with tax exempt status. So let's not lose, I mean, faith in the legal system. Like there are cases that are being, I think, prosecuted the right way. Um, this is insane. I did yeah. not hear this. I'm kind of like, I initially just look Googled his name. She's looking at her phone, up, everybody. She's I am looking, her... at, looking deep in my phone. Like, <laughs> it's like a crystal ball. And yeah. uh, so the first article that came up for me was Ashton Kutcher, Mila Kunis, mm -hmm. wrote letters in support of Danny Madison. You're kidding me. No, I did not read no. that. I did not know I that. Don't, and, I don't know exactly what Mila Kunis said, but I think uh, in Kunis's in Kunis's letter, she vouched for Madison's exceptional character and referred to him as an outstanding older brother figure. Yikes! Well, well let's girls, see how this develops. Learn... Yeah, I mean, like I it's. Know, but... We t one of the things that we said was two things can exist. Like when someone that I love is accused of something terrible, I think, holy shit, we got to correct what that person did. I don't think, well, I've had only good experiences with him, so it can't be true. Like, I think that that's where women are failing a little bit. It's like, yo, just because you had a good experience with this yeah. guy, it doesn't mean that he did terrible things to other people. It's hard to accept. You can still be his friend. You can still be with him. I will not judge you for that. Just know that that also will have its consequences on you. Like yeah. you will have to deal with the repercussions of that. Oh God, I'm so scared to release this podcast. <laughs> no, well, we'll see how this develops. It could be like, um, it, there could be more things to it. But I, from what I read, they have gone through, this has already reached court several times. They have gone through all the evidence and this is what they, the sentence is. And I do want to say this thing about two things existing, but you know, Catherine, like I think personally, there is a truth to our world. Like you can't just deny the truth. There is objective fact. Someone has objectively, like someone's done something. There yeah. might be two inter yeah. like two perspectives of it, but it is a done fact. There's evidence that shows it's done. But anyways, we are at an hour. I am at 16% <laughs> on my laptop. I want to say thank you. I 
I love this conversation. I learn a lot. I just, I just love talking to you. So I love talking to you too, Sunny. Yeah. And I would love to come back and discuss uh, Midwestern white feminism or <laughs> talk about, uh, talk about um, any of the things that we spoke about today uh-huh. more deeply. Yeah. Thank you so but, much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, and, and you can check me out on Instagram yes, please plug yourself in. uh, or on TikTok uh, at Roulette LaRoe. And yeah, lots of shows coming up in Sweden this year. Hopefully going to be back in Gothenburg, Malmo, maybe even in yeah. Rio. So keep keep posted on those socials, everybody. I'll put all your stuff into in the description. And I, anyone listening, I yeah, please check out Catherine's stuff. She is really like true talent, super funny, great actress. Yes, yes. very great performer. Hilarious stand-up comedian. You're the best. Okay. Wonderful.